gives a fork. I'm Jez. And I'm Nina. And we're in South and Central America, behind the scenes at some of the world's best known foods. And some other things thrown in. Enjoy! sadly our final episode on Ecuador and um, we felt that after a month of, of looking at farms and commercial agriculture we thought it was really important to look at the other side of it and the impact of all this agriculture on the environment. Um, I should just say that we're not actually in Ecuador at the moment we're in fact in Panama on the Pacific coast and we are sitting on a beach. Beautiful beach, a secret yeah. beach. We found a very secret hidden away beach and we can't tell you where it is. No, top secret. But it's beautiful. That you can enjoy <laughs> it with the waves, the yeah. sound of the waves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so as Nina said, we felt it was really important to look at the other side of, um, of commercial farming in Ecuador because uh, the country is actually incredibly important internationally in terms of biodiversity. So I feel like, well, I think we both think everybody should care about it. You know, yeah. this is really important. If you buy things like bananas from Ecuador, you should also think about the forests of Ecuador. Um, it is, I've got some facts here. It has 26,000, no, sorry, 25,000 plant species, which is roughly 10% of um, the world, which is pretty incredible it's for amazing. such a tiny mm. country. So to find out more, we went to Cerro Blanco, which is a, a big um, nature reserve in the south of the country. And we met Eric Horseman, who's the director of the reserve. And he is um, really, really passionate about conservation. He's dedicated his whole career, his whole life to it. He's really knowledgeable about why we should protect forests and also, importantly, like how they can still exist alongside big, big commercial operations for farming. And also coming up uh, later on in the, uh, in the episode um, is a chat with somebody called Andreas um, whose family have been working to protect the forests of Ecuador from um, palm oil plantations, which you might or might not know about. It's, it's kind of like this hidden ingredient in all sorts of products. 50% um, of the processed products that you might buy in the supermarket, as well as things like toiletries, um, household kind of um, other household products, and um, biofuels, and it's causing massive problems in um, tropical regions of the world um, because a lot of forest is, is cleared um, to, to produce it. So we're going to be talking to him later but first we met um, Eric, Eric Horseman at Cerro Blanco in his office and we started off by asking him uh, what are the main pressures from farming affecting the uh, forests and nature of Ecuador? There's a lot of cash crop development that's uh, that's still going on, you know, for export. Uh, it, it, it's been amazing and kind of frightening, actually, to see how, for example, further out uh, in the coastal highway, uh, how large tracts of what was, you know, formerly uh, kind of, you know, uh, dry scrub vegetation, uh, dry forest, has been converted to uh, banana plantations, uh, sugarcane on a massive scale. I, I would have thought uh, that that area would not be suitable for that, but apparently with irrigation, uh, they have been able to you know overcome the uh, the lack of water, and so you know that is is uh, obviously creating some some huge impacts because uh, they're not leaving, from what I'm seeing. 
you know, any native vegetation around, you know, so all that, that, you know, formerly the, and even scrub that, you know, people would maybe look at from a distance and say, well, there's not really much there. If you do take a look at it, there's, there's a lot of species that, that would be found there that would, you know, be wiped out or pushed out. So, um, so what, what type of habitats are being destroyed? Well, in general, uh, you know, there, there's, um, you know, all, all, ecosystems uh, to some point or another are under threat because of of, of, of agriculture um, you know and I, I worked um, for seven years as the president of the Ecuadorian agroforestry network and one of the things that we were trying to show is that it is possible to integrate agriculture with um, you know nature conservation uh, you know protecting uh, maybe if not forest in some areas you know um, some standing trees of, of native species and the, this whole movement behind you know shade grown coffee and and, and, and cacao has really shown that you know even if you maintain some native tree species from the original forest uh, around or over uh, you know these planted trees that it can still have an incredible benefit for maintaining biodiversity in an area. So I then asked Eric whether we should be boycotting things like palm oil um, or whether commercial agriculture can actually coexist with conservation efforts and environmental protection. Yeah I think that I, I, for example uh, Marine, resor- marine, marine reserves, you know, they, 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 it's been shown that commercial fishermen benefit greatly from the establishment of marine reserves because they are the sanctuaries where the fish are able to, you know, reproduce, are able to, you know, reach commercial size and then leave the sanctuaries where they are harvested, you know, outside of them. And so, you know, that initially there was the, you know, the, 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 the the hue and cry against you know you know locking us out of you know this is a, an American term that was used a lot with with um, wilderness versus timber you know you're locking up the resources you're not allowing us access but if you set up you know key strategic reserves in some places where you are able to maintain native ecosystems uh, around uh, you know agriculture and other production I think that is it is a way. I'm not saying it is the, the the only way, but it can be a way around some of these issues because it is really difficult to start from scratch. So what I mean, what do you think the the world or Ecuador is is losing every time a part of the forest area is cut down? I see this homogenization process that's going on where you're just turning into uh, a, a scenario, a panorama that's similar, you know, throughout the country in all the different ecosystems where you have, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit of pasture, uh, you have chickens, you have dogs, you have, you know, goats, cats, other things. But, you know, all, all you know, pretty much all the native biodiversity has been eliminated, especially in a country like, like Ecuador, which is a mega diverse country. You know, we're talking, you know, one of the 15 uh, countries of the world that concentrate, you know, between 50 and 65% of all the world's species. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, Per se, it's 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 probably the smallest of the megadiverse countries. I mean, you have the Congo, you have China, you have you know the United States, you have Brazil, you have Colombia, Peru. You know these much bigger countries. 
So now we're going to talk about uh, palm oil production, uh, which we mentioned earlier. It's the most used vegetable in the world, and unfortunately, it's also only grown in areas that are tropical and highly biodiverse, isn't it, Nina? Yeah, and uh, the other thing about palm oil is it's currently undergoing a huge explosion. Um, they say global production has doubled in the last decade, and it's expected to double again by 2020. Um, and that's causing huge problems in, in tropical areas and, and sort of there's lots of people kind of fighting against this and we, we heard from Eric um, that there's indigenous groups of people in Ecuador around Santo Domingo area which is a huge area of palm oil production who are sort of fighting against that and, and we've come across um, uh, individual families and other people as well haven't we? Yeah so people are really ordinary people are really taking it into their own hands um, we're going to talk now to uh, Andreas Nieto who's a 25 year old Ecuadorian and whose family have been um, fighting to protect this area of rainforest against the encroaching palm oil production for about 20 years now. They moved back from the States and um, bought 100 hectares of rainforest and um, gradually through donations and the work of their Itapoa project, uh, they've grown that to 300 hectares now. So that is quite a nice substantial area that's being protected from uh, encroaching palm oil production. So we're going to talk to Andreas now. So basically was the big boom, I don't remember in which year exactly, it's not so long ago, where the European Union agreed that by year 20 something that I can remember again, sorry, most of the cars will have a biodiesel instead of normal diesel or petrol based diesel or fuel, uh, I mean or, or um, uh, sorry, um, anyway, so a lot of a lot of companies focuses or a lot of uh, big people right focus in this in this uh, um, African palm oil production that is going to demand European countries in North America in the future. So they start going, or also local people start coming into planting huge amounts of African palm plantations, and by doing that they destroy a lot of the jungle. They keep doing it these days. They cut everything. They even burn everything on fire. They put everything on fire uh, to then plant African palm and then have a monoculture. Not just the jungle, they also do it in little farms. They go around buying land from poor people, the small properties, and to eventually make a big patch of just African palm. And that's been happening the last, in a bigger scale, the last uh, 15 years. Uh, obviously it was a lot worse about three, five, four years ago. It was a lot worse than it is now. Now it's a little bit less, but it's still happening every day. Yeah. That must have been quite difficult to see, was it, for someone like you who, who really cares about wildlife and nature and you know, your whole family is, in, is involved in it. Was that quite difficult to see, the sort of destruction of the rainforest like that? Yes, obviously, before your memories are like, you're driving along the, ro the road, going to the beach or something like that, and you see, uh, you used to, in your memories, are trees, monkeys jumping from tree to tree, uh, a lot of birds, all that is in your memories, and suddenly you just see all, only one kind of plant, which is African palm, uh, for many, many kilometers, in this case miles, <laughs> for many, many miles, uh, only these huge plantations, 
Uh, obviously, it's a big impact. Like the animals doesn't have place to live anymore. They have to keep trying to run away. They have less uh, space. So big companies buy this cheap oil. Uh, they don't care what they did to the jungle to it. They don't care what they did to the animals there. They don't care what they did to anything or to even the communities that they don't have food anymore because now it's only African pan. They don't have bananas anymore. They don't have oranges anymore. They will have to go to the market and buy it from somewhere else. And that happens every day. And, uh, and yeah, so these companies are only looking for this cheap product that is not only bad for the for the environment as as this uh, African palm oil obviously don't burn the same amount of CO2 that uh, actually jungle will will burn right uh, so it doesn't bring the same amount of clean air to the atmosphere uh, as the actually jungle the difference is huge one tree of African palm is it cleans a lot less air than one one actually tree, you know, one primary forest tree. Um, uh, yeah, so. So going back to your uh, going to your family now and how your family is helping to protect the forest against palm oil and various other um, pressures. Your you said your dad was a, a biologist mm-hmm. and he spent some time in the states before coming back to Ecuador and um, buying up a big piece of rainforest to uh, to protect it. Yeah, that, that was a, his passion, passion right from the beginning when he got uh, the first kids. Anyway, he decided to move back to Ecuador and he started to, to, to work in conservation of the jungle. Uh, the Choco region, exactly. Um, Choco region, sorry, for people who don't know, is goes down the west coast of no Panama into Colombia and then into Ecuador, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a whole region, right? How do you how do you feel about what your family has achieved with protecting such a large area of rainforest? Well. Um, uh, first and all, I acknowledge uh, what it what it is and what the small things we can do. And it's amazing to know this stuff that a lot of people uh, doesn't know. Little things can help a lot, and I'm happy by at least you know helping whenever I'm traveling or whenever I talk to people. Uh, so I try to at least tell them what is that product that they're consuming, what is doing in the jungle, and maybe. Some people will listen to it and will start uh, promoting and just you now sponsoring these products that are actually impacting not just the jungle, the communities that eventually won't have water, uh, the people that lost the the land, uh, that now they have to go to the cities and commit crimes because they don't know anything else than living in the in the forest in the jungle and on little farms, uh, so it's, it's a big, not just environmental problem, but also social problem, you know. What do you, what do you hope in the next 25 years of your life? How, I guess, what, what are your hopes for the, the rainforests of, um, or all the forests of Ecuador? Uh, well, the first hope is that people will knowledge a little more of what they're doing and what they can do to help you know, little things will matter always. Uh, 
yeah, just, well, my biggest hope is, come on, stop eating <laughs> of African palm yeah. oils, like Nutella, for example, or things like that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to give up to a few things, but if people at least know what they're doing, and then they can choose whether they want to keep uh, supporting this destruction, or they want to, even if it's like this by little, uh, helping in stop pre consuming these products, or, yeah, it'd be amazing if more people are actually more involved and come to see the place, you know, and, and yeah, and, yeah, that's my hopes, and, yeah, hopefully the animals won't disappear by them. Oh, yeah, I hope so. So we all need to be more aware, really, of, of uh, palm oil in all sorts of different products, food products, um, toiletries, household, I think detergents, biodiesels, all those things. We need to really think about that yeah. and what it might be doing to the, the Ecuadorian rainforest. Uh, yeah, not just the Ecuadorian rainforest, um, a lot of the tropical regions in the world. Again, Malaysia, for example, is one of the most impact countries. Indonesia, it's even a lot worse than what's happening here, but everywhere matters, you know, it's only one globe, everywhere matters. So as you've just heard, this is a really complicated issue in terms of palm oil production and just generally protecting the, the rainforest of Ecuador, but particularly in terms of palm oil. We've had two different viewpoints there as to what would be the best thing to do from a consumer perspective. We've had Eric, who, um, you know, thinks that people sh uh, that it's possible to um, grow palm oil sustainably alongside um, alongside nature and, and to conserve areas around it but that it's really important to uh, have designated areas um, re relative to areas of palm oil production so that's a bit of an equation there that he thinks could work we've then had Andreas who's lived through it in a much more personal way um, and I think really lost, lost out kind of personally from it and his viewpoint is that we just should be really aware of as consumers as to when palm oil is in our products and we just shouldn't buy those products like yeah. flat out really yeah so really quite different viewpoints um, and the, the, the other issue with palm oil is the alternatives are um, similarly problematic if not more so um, so you've got soybean oil and rapeseed oil which you know you could use instead of palm oil but the thing is with those two is they both need a lot more pesticides and fertilizers than palm oil so obviously that's got its own problems um, and you know some would argue that they're, they're more that you know they're more damaging so yeah it's, it's really difficult and there's, there's not really um, there's not really an easy answer and we, we did want to point people if you want to find out more we um, we got a lot of our stats from um, a really good interactive article on the Guardian um, it's yeah if you just type into Google palm oil sustainable business guardian um, you can find out so much about it on there it's really interesting yeah it's a really cool kind of infographic yeah, isn't it good. loads of like, interactive stuff and really interesting stats yeah and, yeah it's really good so I mean in conclusion it's 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 a difficult one to know what to do really isn't yeah. it if you're trying to be an ethical consumer but I think maybe the thing to do is to at least be aware of what products you're buying and what you know whether they include palm oil in them yeah um, Andreas explained to us that often they're not labeled as palm oil it's labeled as just vegetable oil yeah um, so I guess you know being aware of that and making your own decision as to whether you want to buy those products you want to buy into that or not and if you do then maybe looking for at least a sustainable palm oil certification or something yeah um, it's a very it's a very difficult one isn't it yeah
You've been listening to Who Gives a Fork, brought to you by me, Nina. And me, Jez. Keep listening as we travel around Ecuador and then into Colombia, visiting farms, plantations and food producers. See you next time. Oh, 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 oh